0: It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rulebook, to explore smarter ways to work, and rediscover what's possible. Time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. Welcome to The Big Rethink. I'm your host, Barry Ross, and on today's episode, we discuss the job of analysts, and how they identify and track technology trends. A key endeavor of any technology company is to define their market and differentiate themselves from their competitors. Analysts and their research are an important part of this marketing exercise. Our guest, Brian Bassett, Senior Research Analyst for Enterprise Mobility at IDC. Brian, a heartfelt welcome to our
1: show. Barry, thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Looking
0: forward. Yeah. This is a a first of firsts uh, for our listeners. Uh, Brian is one of our first, I guess, research analysts we have on the show. And uh, so, Brian, let's just hit it then with a high-level question. Uh, Something of a mystery to me, so I I apologize up front. Uh, So how did you become an analyst focusing on enterprise mobility?
1: Um, well, prior to joining, I joined IDC about 2014. And before that, I was working at a company called OnMobile Live. I was a lead device manager there uh, working in device and application qualification testing. For um, We were doing white label uh, app or music store apps for uh, a lot of North American carriers. So if you uh, had a Boost Mobile Virgin Sprint back in 2008, seven around there, I was uh, probably the person in charge of making sure that that app store worked for you. Wow! Um, after I mean, pretty much as soon as I saw Spotify come out, we all kind of knew writing was on the <laughs> wall that uh, the the preloaded music store on on devices probably wasn't going to be a thing too much longer. So um, around 2014, I saw an opportunity to uh, move over to IDC. Um, again I had been kind of working with mobile devices my entire career and I actually went to school for uh, for writing and journalism wow so uh, I saw an opportunity to kind of mix the two together and you know lo and behold here we are i had a lot of experience working with carriers I knew a lot about uh, the devices i you know basically watched blackberry disappear and android kind of sweep across you know one day it was i had a desk full of Blackberries. the next day. It was a desk full of Android devices.
0: Holy cow. Uh,
1: first generation iPhone user, first generation BYOD user. So, um, you know, it, it really kind of followed up with how mobility and at least the smartphone and tablet market uh, really has kind of moved into the enterprise. So, you know, 2020, here I am.
0: And I like the fact that you were able to use... You know, your background, your education in writing and journalism. I think that's kind of neat. Of course, you know, most people these days don't talk about what it's like to actually get a preload on a carrier device. Oh, yeah. So good luck with that. <laughs> if you remember the pain points, <laughs> right?
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, a lot of people kind of don't like that stuff anymore. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it, was, it was a job. And again, I, I interned at the company in school and got hired right out of school and worked for them for eight or nine years or so. And now I am at IDC in my sixth or seventh year now. So. So, well, that's great.
0: Yeah. And, and again, we're, we're glad to have you. Uh, and so let's start then with you know, if you're okay with it, you know, uh, I have a marketing background and a lot of what I do is working with analysts. Um, and of course, you know, also having a background in product management, you know, research is a huge part of that. Analysts is a huge part of the research that we use for product planning and development. And so you know, this is an opportunity for me to actually kind of pick, uh, you know, someone's mind is a lot smarter than I am. And so uh, you're being too kind. Uh, what are some of the key trends that you're tracking now?
1: So obviously right now, uh, you know, the entire world is going through kind of a, a big change here in, a, in the post-COVID situation. Um, Enterprise mobility for me, again, I I focus a lot on hardware deployments so smartphones, tablets, rugged devices, all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of the inquiry and concern we've been getting right now is, you know, either what's this going to look like for the job market going forward? Uh, You know, suddenly everybody is a work at home worker right now. A right. uh, big focus on mobilizing frontline workers who either, you know, they have to be out there working right now or what's this going to look like, you know, the second half of 2020 into 2021? Are these trends going to change? What's, you know, what's the future of the office going to be going forward? So right. the, uh, the role that mobility or mobile devices specifically are playing in enabling uh, these workflows during this, you know, arguably very, very trying time, you know, this is something nobody could actually have predicted. Nobody right. assumed we were going to, you know, 14% unemployment in the U.S. Uh, as of last month and, you know, everybody working from home. So it's it's been a, re- you know, not to sound cavalier about it, but it's been a really interesting time to be an analyst, um, getting a lot of questions on what does this mean for BYOD? What does this mean for corporate liable? know, on-premises, what's going to happen now for, you know, we're moving half of our workflows into the cloud. Um, You know, what does this mean now? So definitely uh, what does work from home and post-COVID mean? And then also uh, a big, big focus of mine is enabling the frontline worker. Um, You know, we kind of count frontline workers as, I guess you'd say, people who are customer facing or out in the field. So field service, retail workers, hospital workers, that sort of thing. Um, You know, and... Now that we're out here, you know, trying to figure out how to get this technology into their hands, you know, what does that actually mean and what types of applications or workflows are going to benefit most from mobile technology in the hands of these frontline workers? So uh a lot going on. That's it's very, very interesting.
0: It's amazing what six months will do, three months will do to even like you know what I'd call state or tried and true technology. I mean, we've been talking about you know, BYOD for for years, right? Mm-hmm. Or telemedicine, or you know, uh, remote learning, and you know, in the snap of a finger, essentially, these are now frontline topics. Uh, and you know this better than anyone. It's you know, it's interesting. The other day, you know, I actually saw and reviewed uh, product specifications sp- specifications for disinfecting LCD screens. Oh and, yeah, right. I mean. And, who would have thought that that would have been? I mean, always important, but Nat, as you said, for frontline workers, mm-hmm. right? For nurses, hugely important now, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And you think about all these kind of now, even just for the the usual use cases for for these types of devices, these shared devices. You oh. know, a, a big part of the return on investment here is that you don't have to buy so many of them because all of these employees can at the end of their shift, swap in a battery or you know grab another one out of right. a charging cradle but now nobody wants to be using the same device as their coworkers so I've had for you know is it possible to sanitize these devices i've heard stories of people asking can we dip our devices in bleach solution <laughs> i don't know that's probably a good question wow. for the manufacturer, right. not for me but yeah there's it, there's a lot to consider now and i think it has implications for you know, I'm getting constantly asked, like, well, what does this mean for the device shipments? Is there a demand for devices? And I say, yes, on the one hand, you know, we we do have to arm all these people now working from home or these new frontline work cases or workloads. But at the same time, how do you balance that against the demand in terms of, are those jobs still there? Right. You know, so it's a little bit of give and pull. And so things are still shaking out right now. And that's part of a big focus of my, you know, research is trying to find out where are we going to be in the next three to four months in terms of device demand and what types of workflows are are these workers, you know, benefiting from the most.
0: And that's interesting because I I feel like I could never do an analyst job because what you just said, you know, <laughs> what is the turnaround time with the market look like for a technology or a trend in three to four months? It's just, you know, it it's a super short time, and maybe oh, yeah. because, you know what I'm saying it's just like there's a certain discipline there mm-hmm. um, that I think an analyst has to have. Uh, but let me ask let me ask you uh, uh, some more questions if sure, you don't sure. mind. And, and so, from an analyst perspective, from your perspective, Brian, mm-hmm. you know what makes a technology worth being tracked in research? You know, from from my perspective. You know, as a product manager, I'm not exactly objective. I think everything sure. I work on should be, but you know, you tell me what you think. You know, as an analyst.
1: Okay, yeah. from From my perspective, at least from the enterprise mobility B two B space, um, I'm kind of looking to make sure that this technology is enacting real change or augmenting something that, uh, whether it's a clipboard being now digitized to a tablet or um, you know, I'm, I'm very, even as an analyst, I'm very anti-deploying technology for the sake of putting a device in somebody's hand. Um, I like to look at the market. You know, what's the demand for this device? Is the market going up? Is it going down? And then why? Uh, and you again, you know, from a marketing perspective, obviously, every company is going to want to believe that their technology is critical. Obviously, you know, everybody wants to have customers um, but from a tracking and trend perspective, you know, I, I listen to my clients, I listen to their customers, I look at what's going on in the news. And then, yeah, that's part of the fun part of being an analyst is kind of looking ahead and seeing, okay, well, I know how it's worked in the past and I have an idea of how it's going to work in the future. But what are those kind of real... Micro macro trends that are going to affect it. Again, a a big being COVID. Not to keep hammering on it, but nobody predicted that. So, uh, you know, it really kind of spun. You know, we work on kind of a quarterly, you know, workload here as an analyst, and then our forecasts are usually either biannual or annual. And uh, we look at a four or five year period going forward. Well, right. Nobody nobody's nobody cares right now what's happening five years. They want to know what does next month look like. What's what's the bottom line going to be for my company in the next. You know, six months. We really need to know because we have to start planning now. Budgets are coming up. IT budgets are being constrained. Uh, workforces are changing. It's so. It's it's really interesting to me. But for how technology gets tracked, or what I think is important to, to track in terms of technology is how is that technology augmenting your business? Is it improving it? Is it slowing it down? Uh, where where do you have room for improvement? And uh, if I think that a certain technical deployment can can improve a workflow, I certainly won't keep quiet about it to a customer. Or right. Anything. So uh, really, I kind of look at what's the bottom line and how is this going to improve your business?
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting because, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, the new normal, when in fact, it's really what the next normal is. And right. it, it keeps going back to, you know, everything is on this kind of like, you know, expedited life cycle um, where, um, you know, everything is happening, you know, so quickly. Um, so let's ask a, a quick question then. Um, what is some of the pitfalls, uh, when you misjudge a trend? Cause that, you know, I've been on the front end of that where, right. It, it can cost you it, at every stage of a product life cycle from beta, right. To, you know, life
1: cycle management. From my perspective, at least, you know, misjudging a trend can have a, a lot of negative effects as <laughs> your career as an analyst, <clears throat> or so I've been told. I've never been wrong, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, but really, um, you know, the biggest thing there is credibility, uh, at Ooh. least from from my perspective. You know, as an analyst, you, you try to build up a reputation as, you know, people look to you to be the expert in the room. And, um, you know, they're looking for you for concrete information to make very important business decisions a lot of the time. And if uh, you feed them false information, or you're overzealous on a certain type of technology, that I mean, even as me, is kind of a, a techie nerd. It's hard to not right. get excited about new technology coming out. I, you know, I think it's the the bee's knees. But uh, how does that equate to a business deployment? Is it really going to you know deliver on all those promises? And so if you can upset your clients, again, you lose credibility, right. um, lose people money if they uh, go on <laughs> something and right. it turns out to flop. So really, you know, I, I try to be as cautious as possible. When, you know, when I first started IDC, somebody had told me that they keep a big cylinder of Morton salt on their desk to remind <laughs> them, you know, to uh, not take, <laughs> not to get too excited about every single thing a vendor tells them. Uh, obviously, they're going to try to oversell their product, but you have to remain grounded in, in existing technology and trends. Um, but really, I I, I kind of take the philosophy of uh, under-promising and over-delivering uh, when it comes to technology. So I, I like to be a little bit more conservative in my forecasting and, and predictions, but that is not the you know, some analysts are very bullish on, on technology. And I, I like to be a little bit more cautious, make make me a bit more of a boring analyst, but I, I, like I said, I haven't, I don't think I've disappointed people too, too much (laughs) in recent years. So.
0: Yeah, um, no worries. No worries. I don't think you're, you're, you're boring at all. So that's, I mean, what do I know? You know, I've been wrong (laughs) in the past as well, but uh, you know, it's, it's also to you, it's just, you know, it seems like you have to be obviously, you know, more objective, even if you are, uh, you know, a nerd. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I consider myself along those lines as well. Something comes out, I think, is super exciting, especially if a trend is, and I think we talked a little about this earlier, where, you know, if it's kind of a consumer, you know... uh, You know, opportunity, and the one that jumps to mind with me, and I'd be curious to know what you think, is remember Google Glass, and I remember Mm -hmm. when that first came out, I was more on the consumer product side. I'm like, this is going to be huge. Oh yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Do you remember this? It was just like this is something that's really going to take off. It's like this wearable that solves all these problems from like you know multimedia, you know, capturing content and upload, but. Of course, you know, I wasn't considering about all the implications, like the privacy, right, considerations and stuff like that. And then, you know, you flash forward eight or nine years and, you know, what we see now is, you know, maybe it didn't hit that mass market peak. But, you know, there are success stories, use cases where frontline manufacturer workers are using it for, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's big, I mean, it's it's how technology morphs. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, have yeah. you seen things like that?
1: It's interesting too, is where I'm, I'm very B2B focused in my research. So, you know, when these new technologies come out, sure, it might be a perfect opportunity in a consumer space. Um, you know, VR gaming obviously comes to mind as, as something that, you know, was was super hyped up uh, as far as just a couple of years ago. And, it, and in certain pockets, it's it's successful. Um, but, you know, virtual reality in an enterprise deployment, uh, you know, there's some very specific use cases that might work for. Right. Uh, the same thing with with Google Glass, you know, that was a very innovative product. Um, it was a totally new form factor. Nobody had even considered, I'd think, of, you know, maybe in sci-fi movies type of thing, wearing something on their face. Right. Um, but like you said, the privacy issues, the compatibility issues, um, you looked kind of like a dork <laughs> <laughs> um, wearing it around. It was expensive. There weren't a lot of applications for it. Right. So it completely flopped as a consumer product. So um, expensive, again, right? Fast, I mean, Yeah, right. fast forward to the enterprise where hands-free technology is uh, super important. It's one of the driving things in the frontline work is being able to enable these people who have to fix cars or airplanes, that sort of thing. Um, you know, having hands-free technology is is super important now. So that's why Google Glass is seeing kind of a resurgence in the enterprise. But it probably won't, at least in the short term, carry over to uh, to a consumer side of things. So while the technology itself is super interesting and uh, I you know I, I gush over it, uh, it probably isn't going to move a whole lot of units or, or change the way people work immediately. Right. So.
0: Well, famous last words, we have to check in the next five years and, you know, we we'll probably sing oh, yeah. in a, a different tune. <laughs> I'll be eating a lot Oliver, of crow, right? Oliver, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so this is a really good segue into the next question. Um, and it gets back to, you know, Brian Bassett as an analyst. So what mm-hmm. are some of the red flags you look at in terms of evaluating a technology? And, and, and how does that research you know change based on either the industry application? So it's like a twofer.
1: Sure, sure. Sure. Um, I guess in terms of, well, red flags, I guess, could be both positive and and negative. Mm. Um, I, I guess one of the negatives I'd I'd call out immediately is if it's very um, either just simply product-based or it's one very specific solution. Um, you know, I need a way to turn on a light from a mile away and they'd make one specific app or device that allows you to do that. Right. It's very niche and, you know, incredibly I guess what you'd say impractical. It's not very flexible. It does one specific thing. Uh, That, you know, there might be a market for it, but um, mass appeal is definitely something you need to consider, especially in the enterprise. Positive, though, you know, and this not trying to blow myself up or anything, but honestly, sometimes technology just makes sense to you. Like when you hear somebody who has a really good idea and say, I've never considered that, uh, that would be incredibly useful. And I base that off of the discussions, you know, the countless discussions I've had with other vendors in the space, um, customer pain points, things that hadn't been considered are there is a real problem in the market that nothing is addressing this right now. Um, And so that's kind of something that signals to me like, oh, well, that's actually going to be very important. Let me start digging down into this a lot more. And, uh, you know, usually peel back layers of the onion, you find more people with the same problem. And suddenly then, you know, you've got a a real technology on your hands that has potential to grow in an industry. So that's kind of how I, I suss it out. There's no you know, playbook in in my mind on what's going to be the next big thing. Obviously, everybody's looking for that. But um, really, it's kind of come and go. It could come from a small startup with a great idea, or it could be a huge multinational company that suddenly is like, oh, we've heard this problem for years, and we suddenly have come up with a solution to fix this for our customers. So it really is kind of, you know, different. And obviously, by industry, it, it varies the problem that the 3D printing industry has is, you know, going to be much different than somebody who's trying to deploy uh, smartphones. So, right. um, you know, I can speak to the the mobile side of things, but that's that's kind of how I suss out what what's worth it to me or what's, you know, kind of going to be a flop or, you know, a very niche product. And I think it's great
0: that, you know, when you talk about you know, kind of a one trick pony application or service or whatever, Mm -hmm. as opposed to addressing, you know, a customer's pain point. And, you know, now in today's world, you know, I can't go through, you know, my email without getting some unsolicited message saying, hey, we have a solution, Mm -hmm. right? A solution. Everything's a solution. But very few of those advertised, I guess, technologies, platform services, whatever, you know, address really a customer problem. And I think that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you did, you know, you quote unquote, suss something out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's just I think that word solutions overused as opposed to addressing, you know, what a customer sees every day and has a problem and what it's out there that addresses that problem. Mm-hmm. So so thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, so. So let's, let's flip the, the next question then coming at it from a different standpoint of, you know, we talked about, okay, what are the red flags? But can you, you know, without giving away too much of your secret sauce, you know, <laughs> can you give examples of, you know, some successful technology that it doesn't have to be your research, but that initial research kind of supported, right? That we're just like, wow, this is going to be big and it worked out.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll use the example I used earlier in the show. It kind of put me out of the job in my first career <laughs> was as soon as I saw Spotify uh, hit right. the market, I said, that makes sense. I got to find a new job. Great example. Um, but uh, in recent years, one that really kind of stuck out to me, and it's not particularly, um, well, it is hardware-based, but um, enterprise deployment programs. So the ability to basically bulk enroll Uh, smartphones, tablets, rugged devices, and deploy them out to uh, organizations, you know, basically hands-free. You kind of order the device through a portal online. Um, All the company policies are applied to it, depending on what program you're using, like Apple device enrollment program or Samsung Knox or Knox mobile enrollment, Android zero touch, these sort of things. Um, I noticed a couple of years ago that people were having a real pain point in trying to get their devices out to their employees. Um, provisioning devices in the past has been largely Huge. a very manual process. That's, uh, again, what I was doing prior to, to IDC. Was That's provisioning right. Devices. So I know firsthand how how hard and time consuming that can be. Um, but then also ensuring that those devices have all the proper security protocols on them or policies. You're hitting um, it. Yep. The device arrives at the employee's desk or or job site, wherever they are. They open it up, turn it on, and the device automatically enrolls itself over the air. Um, those types of solutions have existed, but really it's been the past couple of years or so that it's really caught on in the enterprise. And it's, you know, majority of enterprises are using it right now. Um, And that's one of the technologies that really, from a deployment perspective, I think is kind of a game changer. When you look at right now with COVID, especially you want all the zero touch, you know, not referring to Android, but you want zero touch um, workflows. Right now you want social distancing. And so what better way to do it than just ship a device from the factory to your employee's house. And now suddenly they have all the productivity and uh, hardware that they need while being secure, while being safe, having all the apps they need without having to go and talk to an IT person or you know go surrender their device for the day. Um, so that was certainly uh, one of the you know, mobile technologies that I've seen. Another that I'm still you know kind of bullish on and I'm seeing a lot of traction on is definitely Chromebooks. Right. Um, especially in, in a post-COVID world like this. Uh, early on, I think Chromebooks caught a lot of flack for they're basically just a thin client or a browser. But you know, credit to Google—they've put a lot of work into Chrome OS, and um, you know, Chrome is becoming very successful in the enterprise. They're seeing a lot of traction there. And again, the ability, especially in education or something, right now—exactly—where uh, now every student who needs a device, and not every family or school system can afford a thousand-dollar uh, laptop. You know, you can get them a fairly inexpensive Chromebook, and they can be just as productive. They can video call. They can email their homework, the teachers can do the same thing. So that's uh, at least a hardware, you know, a piece of hardware that I, I really kind of early on said, this is going to be something valuable. And uh, it's it's starting to pan out now. So those would be two off the top of my head that initial research uh, really supported for me, at least.
0: And I think that's great, because, uh, you know, I used to sell against Chromebook when we used to market into the education vertical, you know, especially the K through 12. And even though, you know. Exactly, what you just said the price points were a lot more economical than, say, you know, even an iPad or some mm-hmm. other, you know, form factor. Uh, the fact that it was just, you know, what we call a browser enabled device was not a benefit then, right? right? It was just like this perception that I was just insecure and lacked all the, you know, on device features. You can't say that now, no,
1: again cloud computing had a lot to do with the success of a lot, right. Um And again, five years ago, cloud computing is not where it is now, but basically the whole stack is basically moving to the cloud at this point. So,
0: God, I feel so old talking to you, Brian. I, you know, I appreciate <laughs> that. You're a good man. I'm never going to have you on the show again. Um, yeah, mess. no, you're killing it. Uh, so one last question then. Uh, sure. You know, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to take that next question down a-, a level. And then, you know, so... What about the technology that you thought would be so critically important, you know, going back five years, Mm -hmm. like to an industry or a vertical or a particular client base, and then it just wasn't. It's almost like that business case evaporated.
1: Um, I've definitely got one in mind as it relates to the enterprise. You know, again, we kind of talk about the consumer versus business side of things. And uh, one that I, I really just don't really see taking off in business, anytime soon is um, AI assistants or uh, the Alexas, the the right. Google Homes, the whoever theories, You know, uh, they just in a in a business setting they don't make sense. Um, you know, whether you have one in a conference room controlling the meeting or something, that there's so much concern about security and what it's listening to. Um, there's that still. There's still a very prevalent Big Brother um, concern among employees and companies, and they don't want these devices in their business, just listening to everything they say. Uh, (laughs) you know, so it's that definitely I I thought was going to be bigger than it was, but the more I started learning about it and seeing how it was being adopted by on the consumer side, uh, that's not really something people want to bring into the office, in my opinion. Um, one that's a little bit more recent that, I don't think I thought was going to be super critical, but again, as just a nerd, I'm, I'm so excited about it, is foldable screens. Um, Interesting. The devices themselves, you know, the technology is fantastic. It's, it's cutting edge. It's they're doing, you know, folks are making foldable screens are doing great, great things with them. Um, but as a device, as a piece of hardware, there are just right now too many compromises. Mm. Um, the longevity of them, the actual business value. I mean, what's, what's the use case currently for a foldable screen that you can't get on a tablet or a PC Interesting. or something like that? So I don't imagine foldable screens really taking off in the enterprise in at least my forecast period, I'd say the next two, three years or so. Um, but once obviously, you know, they improve the technology and it becomes more stable. I think there's plenty you can do with it. Um, but in the short term, I, I'm not too, uh, too bullish on, on foldable screens.
0: Wow. I think uh, we'll have to catch up on that when we have you on the show again, sure. <laughs> because that is one of the few things that really you talk about geeking out really appeals oh, yeah. to me. Uh, and so, you know, just being on the road a lot, as I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. you're traveling, I think, you know, from a Road Warrior perspective, to me, I look forward to the day where we actually have, and I know it's a ways off, and you're going to smile, you know, a roll-up or foldable screen. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's crazy. But the use
1: case is there. Yes. The technology isn't quite there right. yet. So, right. you know, it, it, I feel the same way about AR, VR, too. AR, a little bit, I'm, I'm coming around on quite a bit. Uh, the, the hardware for head-mounted AR um, isn't quite there. Obviously, Microsoft's doing incredible things with, with HoloLens. Incredible, yeah. Um, but then a lot of the AR solutions I see in market right now are actually leveraging smartphones and tablets, so Interesting. you're holding up your tablet in front of a piece of machinery, <laughs> or your smartphone, and you can, you know, see what I see, that type of stuff, and it's it's really neat. Um, but again, that's pretty pretty nichey in terms of field service and assembly lines, or you know, right. warehousing, that sort of thing. And the whole point of that technology is kind of to have hands free. So it's it's a little give and take. It's a bit of a compromise. Uh, I think if the headsets again, talking about Google Glass, once the headsets and the hardware kind of catch up to the technology, then uh we'll start seeing those more widely deployed,
0: yeah, I think it comes down to what you were saying before. I think the use case has to match the technology, yes. so so you know we're I hate to say it we're almost at the end of our time, Brian, but one last question, sure, uh, and I'll know if you're lying to me, <laughs> so ready, yes. Uh, what
1: do you love most about your job? Um, well, I mean, obviously, I get to study a lot of the, the nerdiest technology out there. I, I get to see it before other people see it. Um, you know, I basically am just surrounded by by my hobby, essentially, which is, wow. is a lot of fun. Um, but really, one thing I, I like about it is, like, I kind of get to peek behind the curtain. Um, I get to talk to company after company after customer after after customer, I get to learn all of their strategies. I mean obviously ATT and Verizon would never get together and strategize on how they're going to address the market, but I get to go and talk to folks at these companies, discover what their strategies are, and I get a, a much bigger picture of how the industry as a whole is coming together, which is just kind of nerdy and I, I like being able to uh look ahead and you know just I guess the, uh, the privileged information is, is very fun at times. Um, you know, I will hear somebody say something in the back of my head, go, Oh, well that's, that's already coming down the line. You're <laughs> a the market, but you know, so it's, it's little things like that that are fun and obviously travel, you know, this, this job lets you travel quite a bit or right. used to anyway, <laughs> let's hope that that changes going forward. But, um, yeah, it really is just a fun job. If you, if you like learning, if you like research, uh, if you like technology, it's it's a perfect job for somebody like like me right now. So,
0: I think that's uh, that's great. I mean, clearly, it's been a long trip uh, coming from you know QA preloading white label music apps oh, yeah. to, so that's <laughs> you know to me I, I love it. I think that's great. And uh, again, you know, hope to have you on the show again, Brian. It's been wonderful having you.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, that was fun.